You're listening to The Outspoken Bible, a podcast from Bible 2020 with Fiona Stewart, Jen Robertson and Neil Glover. Welcome back to The Outspoken Bible. We're going to be talking about Ruth, the character of Ruth today. But before that, here's a little sample from our audio drama, Where You Go. You're probably thinking that Orpah and Ruth were maybe having second thoughts about the journey to a strange country with a bitter old woman like Naomi. There's a lot of emotion about, and it's not over yet. When they heard that, they broke down and wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth held on to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't try to make me leave you and go back. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I'll die. And there my body will be buried. I won't let even death separate you from me. If I do, may the Lord punish me greatly. You can catch the audio drama on all of your usual platforms and also on scottish.bible. So I'm joined again by Neil Glover and Jen Robertson. You all right, folks? Bearing yeah, up? Yeah, good. Yep. Good. Yeah. We just good. had good We're... news about exam results. Oh, you see, it's 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 the news as it unfolds on this podcast. <laughs> Uh, now we're going to move on to we'll just jump straight into what we're going to talk about last time we spoke about the character of Ruth and we began to unpick just a little bit about uh, I suppose the subversion of patriarchy that we're seeing we're seeing a lot of female voices there's there's very much the kind of female initiative that's taken in this book and I think that that brings us quite neatly um, to the character of Ruth herself is is that what this book's about is it about doing something in a in a patriarchal culture that is tipping that on its head yeah, I think so. It's also about a culture where outsiders are excluded and not accepted. So it seems it seems really good that the book is called Ruth, because we reminded all the way through that she is an outsider, and yet it's all around her, and she is going to take a story that starts with no hope and no future to a story that is full of hope and a, and a new future through King David. Can we can we begin by thinking or talking about the, this business of her being a Moabite? What what does that mean? So on one level, you can read the book and it just seems like well, that's where she comes from, but but obviously, like any description, it it actually hides a whole a whole lot of meaning that maybe we don't get on first read. What what did it mean to be a Moabite in that culture? So the the it was a massively problematic ethnic role to have in that in that culture. Um, the the closest I could get in my own experience would be to, um, to, to when I worked in Belfast, to have been a, the, the only uh, Protestant in an all-Catholic school or the only Catholic in an all-Protestant school. It's close to that, but but far more intense. So uh, there, are, there are three big stereotypes going out there about the, the Moabites. The first one uh, comes from Genesis 19, which is a story of Lot being uh, inebriated by his daughters who then uh, are impregnated deliberately by him. What, he doesn't know about it. And uh, they have children. And those uh, children uh, become Moab and Ammon. So the history of the story is of women seducing drunken elderly relatives. And um, yeah, so that's the first thing. So that's the kind of thing that their women do. And not for the first time, a story about another ethnic group becomes 
uh, a story about the rampant, out-of-control, immoral sexuality of their women. So that's the first thing. The second thing that's going on here is that the Moabites steal your bread or they're ungenerous. So the story goes that when uh, the the people of Israel were going through the desert, they came to the the place of Moab and in controversion of rules of hospitality in the Near East, uh, they did not give them bread. And then the third thing is that they will cause you to go after false gods. And particularly the Moabites had done one crime, which they had hired a sorcerer called Balaam. He's the one, if you remember, who had an an ass, a donkey, and the donkey eventually spoke to God. They hired him to go and curse the people of Israel. So three things about Moabites. They're women, steal seed from your older man when they're drunk. Secondly, when you're hungry, they will not give you bread. And thirdly, not only do they not worship Yahweh, but they will call magicians and idolaters and pagan wizards down to call curses upon you. And what happens in the book is that Ruth subverts every single one Mm -hmm. of those stereotypes. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we come to that, as we come to the telling of the story. And it it makes it amazing, the the commitment she then makes to her Mm mother-in-law. Your people will be my people. Why would you bother? (laughs) Um, We know some... We know so little about Ruth. You know, we, we don't know what her family was, her parents. We don't know why she didn't have any children. I mean, she'd been married for 10 years, probably, um, what her losses had been. But all the main thing we know is that she wasn't one of God's people. Yeah, but the first person to recognise that she might become one of God's people is Boaz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So frequently through the book, we're told Ruth the Moabite, Ruth the Moabite, Ruth the Moabite, strictly speaking, Ruth the Moabite is. Mm-hmm. And the first person to recognise that she's simply Ruth to see her in all her humanity and actually to see her in her faith is Boaz in verse eight. And I think that's partly potentially because he learned that from his own mother, um, Rahab. Uh, I like to think of him as the Andy Murray of the story. Uh, the guy who in a, a patriarchal male dominated world uh, sees and ref- refuses any categorization of women that renders them as anything other than fully human. And he's willing to speak out mm. about that when he, when he tells his work the people working in his field, how to behave towards Ruth and the other women who are probably doing that. Because uh, it's not enough for women today in our culture to say this is how you need to behave. Men need to step up and call out these behaviours. What's interesting as well is that she breaks the law in in doing this or, or she causes others to, to break the law. You're not meant to have anything to do with the Moabites. Gener- uh, Deuteronomy chapter 23 explicitly says in the law of Moabites, you must never marry a Moabite, sorry, in the law of Moses, um, even to the 10th generation. Mm-hmm. And we, we know that, for example, Nehemiah enacted that law. He he beat and pulled out the hair of men who beat this law. Mm-hmm. So this is a this is a rule-breaking book mm-hmm. as well. And Ruth is inducing and inciting other people to break rules. Uh, but people are 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 courageous and, and they, they see a deeper truth that has to be honoured in the life of uh, Ruth. And they see her as someone that God can bless. And that's eventually what happens at the end of the story. I'm quite interested as well in, you know, in that, in that moment of, of the kind of conversion moment for her, you know, that, that, that point where she says to Ruth, you're, you're people with my people, like, where you go, I'll go. I, 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 well, I, well, I use the phrase conversion point. Do you think, do you think it is a conversion <laughs> point for her? And, and I'm interested in how she sits alongside Orpah as well. Somebody said that to me recently. What happened to Orpah? Of course, we don't know because Orpah just yeah. returned to, to Moab whenever we saw her again. I think it's quite interesting, isn't it, at those moments of crisis when, when people make a commitment either yeah. to, to another person or to a group of people or, or in this case to, 
to my, your people will be my people. Actually, it, it has this impact of a of a small story, a specific story, a very human story, actually impacting the universal. It is it's fascinating the vow she makes because it's massive. I mean, when I got married, I, d- I did I said till death do us part, but I didn't say where you die, I'll die. Mm-hmm. I mean, is she just exaggerating or something? I don't think so. I think there's something deeply significant going on. And the next question is therefore why? Because I'm not sure that Naomi, from what we know about her, um, has really conveyed to Ruth that following God is a great thing to do. You know, Naomi's saying, you know, God's done, God's made my life bitter. He's taken things away. I've lost everything. But there must be something either in her relationship with Naomi or in her relationship with her husband. I think it was Malon, whichever one she was married to, that we we don't know. Did they have a a rich life together that where mm-hmm. God was deeply part of that and he had shown her what um, it meant to be a follower of God and to live your life for him? We don't know, but something, it's not just a small thing she says. She's throwing everything into this relationship with Naomi and with Naomi's God, even though Naomi's uh, being very honest about what that's been like. The the story slightly makes me think of is, um, maybe because we, we did it in our church at the weekend, you know that moment in the story of uh, the, the disciples in the storm and the boat and Jesus comes walking out into them in the water. And uh, Peter says to Jesus, you know, command me to come out and walk on the waves with you. You think, what earth possesses Peter at this point to to um to ask to walk in the waves you know the, where's that come from and but there seems mm. to be something deep within them that just rises up at this moment mm-hmm. that says the place yeah. i have to be is with jesus and there seems to be something that arises from ruth yeah. at this point that says i need to be with naomi and i know the rules tell me i can't and i i know that that there will be people who think this is this is impossible and naomi herself is pretty horrified by this i think mm-hmm. but something within her says this is where i need to go um there's it's a- also yeah, it's also a bit like the disciples when they say to jesus you know where would we go you, yeah. where mm-hmm. else would we go you have the words mm-hmm. of eternal life and maybe that's true for ruth i mean what, what the i don't mean well there's nothing else to do i'll just go with you it's not that but this is it you are the best choice in my life to give everything to you because I don't really want to go back to Moab and whatever was there. We don't know what was there for her. Yeah, I mean, I, I was struck. By, I was struck by that as well. I was thinking about that verse too, but but I was also <laughs> thinking about the contrast of you know you know I can completely understand Peter saying that to Jesus. Where else am I going to go, Lord? But mm. but like you say, Jen, mm. you know Naomi hasn't really <laughs> demonstrated that. So so there is something maybe in the in the the personal conviction, isn't there? Is that is that too or is that too yeah. modern to to explain it that way? That it's or, maybe not just about the people who've surrounded Ruth, but it's it's actually about Ruth's own spiritual experience of God but then we're only we're only looking at a wee bit of Naomi's life it'd be good it'd be good to know there'd be other conversations with Naomi and other experiences that yes um no Naomi has shown over all these years that she's been with Ruth uh what it means to be a person of God and being a person of God is at times you say my life is bitter my life is terrible but that isn't mm-hmm. the whole story mm-hmm um, can we talk about Tamar and Perez and 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 the family line and am I throwing a, a, a no? I, th- I think it's a re- at that point. I think it's, so. The, once again, then there is one way of defining nationality, which says it's about descent, it's about who you you know, it's about biological descent. And in some ways, um, the end of the book seems to end with this, um, 
So these are the descendants of Perez. Perez, the father of Hezron, Hezron of Ram, Ram of Amunadab, Salmon of Boaz, Boaz of Obed, Obed of Jesse, Jesse of David. And it's a kind of classic male biological family tree. All the women have gone at this point. But, but what this book almost seems to be saying is that um, all this um, becoming the father of stuff, there are women doing all sorts of stuff around this, which you need to know about. And this word actually, yeah, uh, the, the word to become the father of in some translations, it begat is in the old uh, King James is a Hebrew word, yalad. And uh, yalad uh, means that biological descent. I begat, I begat. But, but what this book is saying is behind the world of the begats, it doesn't work. If, if mm. you want this kind of pure idea of racial descent, forget about it because it doesn't work. If you want racial descent, this story ends at chapter one with the two sons who have uh, who are meant to be the, doing the begatting, but they don't do the begatting because they, they, they don't live through the famine. So suddenly it's the women are going to pick up the pieces there where begat failed. And I think the story of Tamar is also a story of where begatting failed. Uh, the story of Tamar is in Genesis 38. It's the story of um, uh, Judah uh, and uh, his his sons uh, get married to Tamar. They all they all die. It's it's what's called leveret marriage. So if the brother dies, you have to marry the other one. Famously, Onan spills his seed on the ground. We'll come back to that word seed in a minute. And and eventually, Tamar takes matters into her own hands because the world of the begats, the world of Yalad, has failed her. And so she goes and sleeps with with uh, Judah, a famous Israelite bed trick, uh, gets pregnant, tricks uh, Judah then hears about this, says, oh, how come Tamar's become pregnant? And then she makes him realize actually Judah himself is the father and she survives. But what I'm really saying is begatting, it fails. It fails in the story of Tamar and the women have to step up and take control or, or, or invent new ways. And similarly, it fails in the book of Ruth. And a, a key verse where um, this happens is uh, Ruth is at the bottom of the of the grain pile. Uh, she's just been recognised uh, by by Boaz, and uh, Boaz says, "Ah, oh, who are you?" And it's verse a nine. She says, um, "She answered, I am Ruth, your servant.' Notice that she doesn't say Ruth. I'm the Moabite. He says, your servant. Mm-hmm. Spread your cloak over your servant, which is a sign of welcome and belonging." And then she says. For you are Goel in the Hebrew, which is sometimes translated kinsman, redeemer, or next mm-hmm. of kin. And at that point, what she's doing is she's harking back to the story of Tamar, mm-hmm. who also exercised this kinsman, redeemer, right, where, where someone would bring back that which was lost. Uh, and at that point, she appropriates the story of Tamar. Uh, Boaz then gets, gets his own act together in chapter four. And then Tamar herself is invoked at the end of the book. The women have to take risky do risky behaviours to get the men to respond in the way they should be. And so Tamar, you know, she she's, even the name is mentioned in Bible studies, you know, she seems as dodgy because what she did was, but she had to do that to do what you described, Neil, to, to, to get a home and to have, and to be cared for because she was being thrown in the scrap heap. So, and then here's Ruth. She has to go into this risky situation with a older drunk man you know, at night in the dark to do what he should have done earlier on. He should have taken the initiative. Um, we were talking about female uh, the people, who, female writers who'd written commentaries in Ruth, and I was reading um, Mary Evans' commentary on the Book of Ruth, 
and and she talks about this risky female initiative that happens in Ruth in the book, um, and talked about it as a a picture of redemption that Ruth is redeeming the story of Tamar, mm-hmm. and bringing you know renewal and restoration, and and to the family, and also she's she's in a way she's bringing the Moabites who are Lot's descendants back into the the family of God. And I was thinking about the you know the cancel culture that we live in just now, mm. you know that the, the the sins of the fathers, you know this was done years ago, so the, the, or this is what you did twenty years ago, and you said this on Twitter, so you're written off, and you you know and, the, and there is no forgiveness, there's only condemnation and guilt. But here in this book of Ruth, uh, we have redemption and renewal and forgiveness and a, a new start. It was interesting hearing you talk, Jen, about you know the Tamar and and Ruth because, of course, a famous place where those two women are also mentioned together is the beginning of the New Testament in Matthew's mm-hmm. Gospel, yeah. um, where um, Matthew and his genealogy of forty-two generations <laughs> of men famously names five women, yeah. and uh, one of them is Rahab, uh, the prostitute in Jericho, who is in that account is Boaz's mother. Um, one of them is Tamar. Uh, one of them is is Ruth, one of them is Bathsheba, uh, uh, who um, David uh, becomes the father of Solomon through, and finally, of course, we get to Mary. So there are there is a line of women who. What was the phrase you use? Um, it's about res- subversive resource. Risky, risky, risky female initiative. Risky female <laughs> initiative. Yeah, and that, and yeah. and what Matthew is saying is. If you want to hear the story of the gospel, you've got to hear a story of risky female yeah. initiative. Yeah. And, and Mary herself as well. Not that we're mm-hmm. going to go into that story, but you know, she was put in a position mm-hmm. of risk mm-hmm. by, by mm-hmm. being pregnant with Jesus. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, and interesting, isn't it? Because we, we spend a lot of time thinking about the, the kinsman redeemer and the role of redemption of of Ruth and of Naomi. But actually, mm. who's the redeemer in the story? Well, mm. we might come on to that. Uh, I think we we'll talk again. But but there is something about Ruth has a role as a redeemer, yes. doesn't she? Mm. And she also sits within the line of of the ultimate redeemer. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much again for for coming and opening up um, some more thoughts and some more ideas. Again, people can connect into resources that uh, SBS is producing during the month of August around the story of Ruth. There are uh, resources for use in groups, there's resources for families and obviously there's the the audio drama too that we heard at the beginning. So thanks very much. Uh, Next time we're going to talk about Boaz. (laughs) 